Hello, you're listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for week ending Friday the 13th of May. Breakfasters is on every weekday morning from 6 to 9am on Triple R, broadcast live from Melbourne, Australia. In the podcast this week, you'll hear us chat with Jane Montgomery Griffiths about her performance in The Human Voice, which is showing at Theatreworks right now. We also talked about our dads being pushovers and also not immune to flattery, therefore great fodder for scams. <laughs> Former breakfaster Tony Wilson was back in the Triple R studios to talk about Murphy, a live magazine. And when you give me a shopping list, I need quantities, otherwise I'm going to cater for a major event. Uh, Friday funny bugger Jonathan Schuster was in the wars this week and he tells us all about it. We dip into the perils of dressing for casual Friday, but we start the podcast in Bobby's absence as she has to leave the show early one morning for a special opportunity. Triple R. It's Mon and Daniel here. Bobby's gone for a pack of cigarettes. She says she'll be back. She says she'll be back. She said she was just ducking around the corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we'll years passed and it must have been a good pack of cigarettes. I left a mic on and everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, no, she's participating in a talent pathway for women in footy broadcasting. Yeah, that's what they call it these days. <laughs> that's right. Uh, it is... It is interesting. It, she, she'll be meeting new people, I'm sure. There'll be a bit of an orientation. Yeah, the uh, get to know, two truths and a lie. That's a popular one. Truth and a lie. That's a two truths and a lie. I feel like that's often like an icebreaker. What do you have to do? Say three things. And the people around have to guess which is right. true and not. It's tough, isn't it? Because you, you need to pitch at a level where you're not <laughs> oversharing to the extent where people think you've got trouble at home. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's got to be interesting enough to entertain them. Our friend did it once um, and it was her... The day it happened, it was her birthday. Mm. So, like, her truth, one of her truths was, and today's my birthday. And they were like, oh, well, that's obviously made up. That's easy. And then so she, I mean, there's no winners in a get-to-know-you game, but they are like, oh, and then it was like, oh, happy birthday. And that is was, a winner. Yeah. Well yeah. Uh, have you, I, I've never had to play this, thank God. Have you? I don't. I think I, I had to do it once when I worked at a, like, a call centre. I think it's a classic kind of call centre. And I can't remember what I said. I think I'd recently been, been in Cambodia or something. Mm. So I said, oh, last week I ate cockroaches or something stupid. Yeah. And they're like, well, oh, that's weird. Anyway. But so, it was true. It was true. fooled them. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that you would get people to uh, lie to your face yeah. as a part of a get-to-know-you game? And then think, oh, you're a good liar. Yeah. Welcome aboard. Look at Mon, the uh, little psychopath <laughs> here. It just rolls off her tongue, these lies to oh. us. Uh, yeah, I... I'm going to have to leave straight after as well <laughs> because my card got munched by an ATM. I thought that just happened in um, slapstick comedies. I know. I was sitting there. It was very early in the morning and I, I'd, I'd put in the wrong pin twice and mm. then I thought, oh, my brain's just not switched on. Mm. And it, it's like the world's worst uh, like TV quiz. <laughs> like what's your pin? But like the stakes are really high. Anyway, and uh, – uh, the third one, I'm sure, was right. Mm. But anyway, it munched what was it. it. Yeah, exactly. So, and now what do I do? I've got to go to the bank and like. Does it just not spit it out again, or does it sort of like shred it up? Yeah, no, it doesn't. Hopefully, it doesn't shred it. It's just goes, oh, like it just sucks it down <laughs> and says you're on your own, mate. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, so uh, but I'm gonna have to convince someone that it's yours. Yeah. Can you remember the pin now? Do you think? Well, I, th- I thought I got it right, but it reminded me of uh, like. Because it's always embarrassing going back to get something. I remember I was punting. It's called punting, like on a gondola, but oh, in Cambridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and my glass, we were punting. Anyway, my, I was up there for a Bucks weekend and my glasses fell into the river <laughs> cam. And so I'm like, you know, you're, you're like a major dork. <laughs> 
And then you don't understand. I was punting. Yeah, exactly. And then the the bloke who's getting married, who's like, you know, immensely intelligent and buff as hell, rips off his shirt and dives in to retrieve oh, my glasses. I would lose my glasses as well. If that was and I'm like, oh, I guess I've got to jump in now. Anyway, it was so it was like he's Mr. Darcy, and then like <laughs> me scrounging around. Uh, but yeah, that's what I'll have to do. the The orientation thing. Oh, yeah. uh, I remember I had to say, I maybe I was a school captain. I was a school captain, but I was like head of something or other. Mm-hmm. And I had to introduce myself. And my sister said, gave me a line, and she said, "Oh, say, um, my name's Daniel Bert, or but you can call me Bertie." Oh my god! Oh, why did she tell you? That's a oh stitch up. God. Absolute how dare! I never heard the end of it. <laughs> Like for years, like, hey, Bertie, like, oh, you just got to follow your instincts. <laughs> Did that nickname catch on? Well, it was my nickname. It already was your nickname. But, but it was like, you know, you don't call, you don't say call, it's like, I'm not ScoMo. You never ever could give yourself a nickname. Yeah. And I got punished, <laughs> rightfully so. It's never left me haunted by that public speaking gaff. Yeah, but I kind of credit to your sister for making you do that. I think that's very funny. Oh, you think she actually threw me under the bus? Yeah, I think she's like, oh, yeah, the kids will love this. Do mm. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I used to write for uh, these television shows where they, they just had the earpiece in their head, in their ear, and would just, like, blurt out whatever you said. Oh, the power. Yeah. So it's you have no idea what I could have told these Biggest Loser contestants. <laughs> <laughs> and the host would have just regurgitated. I mean... I don't mean to use the word regurgitate when talking about But they they really, the, the power is In the immense. palm of your hands. Yeah, because people are so tense when you're first meeting. Yeah. Mm. And that's what this situation was. So you said, call me Birdie. <laughs> they said, oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's you know, this orientation uh, deal that Bobby's mm. got. I mean, what about... Um, Club sandwiches, how do you cater? Like people gather around. Oh, yeah, rice paper rolls? Yeah, rice no. paper rolls. Um, that's The catering is a big part of it and I'm sure, you know, mm. I want to get the full spiel tomorrow yeah, about how that went. I, exactly. I remember going for a, a job when I was about 18 uh, as a group interview. It was to work at a, the fancy part of a cinema. Um, and I went along and it was a group interview and they split us up into smaller groups within the group. And for whatever reason, the person running this interview said, oh, tell an embarrassing story <gasps> about yourself. Because, you know, sometimes it's like, what's the challenge you've encountered at work or because you're so young at school or whatever. And I don't know why they got us to – I guess it was an icebreaker. And so I was like, well, I'm, I don't know. And you, you panic and you think on the fly. You go, well, they asked an embarrassing story. This is, this is an embarrassing thing that happened. So I must have been 19. I think I was first year out of school. Mm. And I told a story about how when I was – Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, I just do it. When I was on schoolies and I was swimming in the, at the beach in the middle of the day and my bath, my bikini bottoms fell off in the uh-huh. surf and it was very embarrassing. Told the story. Of course, it was a well-executed story, better yeah. than the way I just told it then. And got a few laughs and then didn't get the job. <gasps> what? <laughs> what? 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 What is the point? I know. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> You just volunteered a genitalia anecdote. Just told a bunch of strangers about my bare butt and the, on the beach. And um, then they're like, cool, we won't be needing you back here. You get a pity call back. <laughs> I know, that's what I thought. Please. Put myself out there. Oh, my what God. What beach was that? 
That was in Byron Bay. Yeah, yeah. right. Anyone uh, – well, the worst part about it when it happened is that I was standing in the shallows and so everyone sitting on the beach got a full moon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a text that says, Bertie Macker and Mon in the morning. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> did, did anyone crack out the Mon's pubis? <laughs> no? Just me, actually. Okay. <laughs> Triple R. Jane Montgomery Griffiths is a Green Room Award-winning actor and playwright whose TV credits include Miss Fisher's Modern Murder Mysteries, The Rings of Power, Five Bedrooms, Casualty, The Bill and Red Dwarf on stage. Jane has performed with major theatre companies across the UK and Australia, including Bell Shakespeare, Belvoir, Malthouse, 45 Downstairs, Red Stitch and Melbourne Theatre Company. Now she's back on the board, starring in Cocteau's The Human Voice on at TheatreWorks. Now to tell us about it, the actor joins us on the line. Jane, welcome to Breakfasters. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's our pleasure, and it's uh, quite alarming to have you on the phone, given the uh, given the role that you play. <laughs> uh, the irony is not lost, mm. but I am on Skype, so it's a bit different. <laughs> uh, tell us about this play and the ambition of it, especially coming off the back of, I'd imagine, not much acting during COVID. Yeah, well, um, so the play was written in 1928 by the bad boy of uh, the French art scene, Jean Cocteau. Um, And the story goes it was written in response to complaints of middle-aged actresses that there were no parts for them, which, you know, you're already setting yourself up for a fall if you talk to a playwright about that. So he wrote this play that was sort of semi-autobiographical based on a breakup with his male lover um, that had recently happened to him. Um, And it became kind of like the tour de force go-to piece for grand dame actresses of a certain age. Um, then it was picked up in 1958 by uh, Francis Poulenc, who turned it into a rather spiky but beautiful opera. Um, so this came about really quickly, actually. Um, unfortunately, yet more casualties of COVID, TheatreWorks had to cancel their first in-house production. And about four and a half weeks ago, I got a text completely out of the blue from um, the director, Bryony Dunn, saying, did I fancy doing it? So, you know, I was twiddling with thumbs and I thought it's better than being a housewife. So um, there we go. Uh, The play is a remarkable, peculiar piece. It's a monologue, monodrama, a woman on a telephone for 60 minutes to 75 minutes talking to the younger lover who is just about to desert her to go off and marry somebody else. And that's pretty much all it is. And in a lot of productions, uh, it's done quite naturalistically. You get a rather elegant Parisian lady chain-smoking, lying to her lover and wandering around a salon in Paris. Um, but Bryony is, I mean, she's just fantastic, I have to say. She's she's kind of the most interesting director I've ever worked with. And it's it's like we've both been waiting our entire careers to meet each other. And she said, look, it's, it's rubbish. This play is not a naturalistic play. It's surreal. And let's think about when it was written in the 1920s. Um, and it's actually about patriarchy so this is this is probably not going to be a good selling point at 10 to 8 on a monday morning but (laughs) it's set our production set in a like patriarchal purgatory where this woman you don't actually know is she dead is she alive is she in hell is she where is she she's trapped in this limbo endlessly repeating this loop of this incredibly destructive telephone call to this really awful uh lover 
But she's been so enculturated, I guess, by society that even though he is wounding her physically, emotionally, mentally, um, she's still absolutely determined to make him feel good about himself. So it's... um, you know, what can I say? It's, it's, it's not a fun night out at the theatre, <laughs> but if you like your theatre a bit raw and visceral and, you know, just slightly traumatic, then, yeah, worth checking out, I'd say. I wanted to ask about that because it does um, seem like a physically and emotionally exhausting performance and you have no one else to, to rely on to pass the buck to. How do you feel at the end of at the end of this performance? Oh look, I'll be a bon it's it's a bit knackering. Yeah. And you know, I, I got back on Saturday night after the show, which was I have to say a bit peculiar, um, as four people decided to go to the bathroom in the middle of the show. And it, you know, if you know theatre works, that was that was loud. Oh. You could hear everything. So, you know, it was kind of a it was kind of a strange performance. As I'm, uh, you're right, you've got no one else to rely on. And also now with technology, you can't even um, rely on the stage manager to be able to cover up my mistakes if there are any because everything's programmed to run sequentially. So if I miss a cue, that's it. The show is buggered. Mm. Um, so, you know, you, it's a lot of mental strain. It's it's physically pretty exhausting. But um, more exhausting was getting – I live in Castlemaine, so I, I got home after the show about half midnight. And then the next morning, Mother's Day, when you think you're going to be looked after, I was moving my daughter up and down the colder into her new apartment. And that's more tiring. Totally. So. <laughs> I would say that being a mum is probably more tiring than than doing this play. There's something peculiarly cathartic about getting to be really snotty and grimy on stage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gee, breakups are shocking, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> They're not the best. They're not the best. Mm. Uh, and do you channel? Have you? When you approach a role like this, I can't believe you got a call four and a half weeks ago for a start. That's extraordinary mm. timetable. It seems. Um, how do you approach that four and a half weeks then? Can you yeah. manufacture the, the vibe on your well, own? Well, the, the, the text is incredibly dense and complicated. Um, and, you know, I've done some, some sort of heavy lifting in parts in the past, um, but this is without doubt the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. So the first week was really just sitting down, looking at the script, trying to analyse... Um, I had to go away and write the bloke's dialogue because, of course, you never hear what he says, but I can't respond to nothing. So I kind of, in my head, wrote an entire play script for him. Um, And it wasn't really until about the end of the second week that we got on the floor and started exploring stuff. You do use your own experiences a little bit, but I think as I've grown older, I'm less... um, something strange happens as you become older um you you become more courageous more foolhardy (laughs) you kind of know who you are which is one of the reasons that this part is so interesting for me you know because it is written for a 50 something actress so and you know god knows they're few and far between um so yeah i mean i tap into some of my own personal experiences but mostly it's my imagination and um the play is a roller coaster it it just takes you over so even if there's no time to get method and to think this is how I felt when I was I had a breakup. Um, 
it, it just takes you over. And, and interestingly, when there are there have been times, I mean, not in the show, but in rehearsals where I would just go blank thinking I have no idea what happens next. And it's not like usually forgetting the lines. It's like you become her and you just go into this void of nothingness. So, um, yeah, it's a really weird beast, but it's... Um, it's you know, I like the fact that you can still get completely challenged after 30 years in the business yeah. and it's 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 terrifying and glorious and I'm very lucky to be doing it frankly. Mm. Uh, what about uh professionally when you a role like this do you then go okay give me something light and breezy uh do you treat your own career in that way? <laughs> if, if only i had that career autonomy um <laughs> you know i am just an actor uh no look i was really really lucky last year um because despite covid um i was um with bell shakespeare for most of last year uh, playing bottom of all things a female bottom <laughs> in the national tour of midsummer night's dream um who was based on this woman that i'd known at harrogate theater who ran the amateur dramatic society and she's very very sort of alan bennett and she had a maggie thatcher hairdo <laughs> and you know that's great because people don't in melbourne i've never well i've only done i did a comedy about 12 years ago but people don't think of me as a comedy actress they think of me as being kind of this this really serious abject creature i love comedy so um yeah any casting directors out there listening i i'm a complete <laughs> theatrical part i'm happy to do anything that you ask me to and uh, it would be great i have to say to get some laughs after doing this <laughs> uh, it's it's not a, i mean i was surprised on opening night because obviously opening nights you have very generous audiences and there were people who knew the play and they were laughing at the irony but um, other performances, oh, you can just hear the gulps of what have I let myself in for from the audience. Um, so, yes, available, willing, very happy to do deadly theatre, comedy, <laughs> anything like that. Thank you very much. <laughs> you also, just quickly, you're uh, on st stage as the audience enters. Uh, are you engaged? Are you thinking about other stuff are you has the play already started for you at that I'm, point i'm quite i'm quite zen at that stage uh, again back when i was younger i would have gone into this major sort of traumatic imaginative trance but also we have some very funky um parisian pop playing and it's absolutely impossible to take anything seriously <laughs> when that's playing so all i'm thinking about is how cold i am <laughs> and there was one performance when there was there was a fly on my nose for the entirety of the pre-show and of course i'm dead so i can't scratch my nose i'm thinking just 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 go just get this fly off my face so um yeah it's it, you'd be surprised at quite how pedestrian my thoughts are oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, well if you want to catch shane montgomery griffith's extraordinary performance in the human voice it's on at theater works until the 14th of may it's 14 ackland street in st kilda for tickets and info go to theaterworks.org.au and uh, i can't believe you sat there while the flyer was on you that's <laughs> where is the helpman award for that <laughs> well <laughs> there should be one yeah uh jay montgomery griffiths thanks heaps thanks for having me melbourne's own triple r uh, my, so my dad is visiting my brother and his family over in Austin at the moment. They're having a good time. He's there for like three months. Isn't that oh, insane? That's nice. Oh, God, what a dream. Uh, so, yeah, he's been there coming close to a month now. Last week he uh, they went to New York. So my brother had a conference there for work and the whole family went over there to New York. So he was there for four or five days. They stayed in Brooklyn. Loved it. Uh, today, though, my brother is in Chicago with his wife. My dad's still in Austin with the four kids. No. Yes. Just a for lot. a couple of days. Welcome to America. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>
I said to Dad, I was like, how, how's it going over there? You, you're managing? He's just like, yeah, no, no, I'm all right. I said, I'm surprised you've got time to message with four kids. Do you know where they are? Because mm-hmm. it's a massive house as well. And mm-hmm. I'm just imagining Dad sitting on his phone in the corner and having no idea where the kids are, just assuming they'll come back for dinner. <laughs> Um, but he said, no, they've got a bit of a, a plan going. So the kids have friends that pick them up and take them to school. And then dad just takes Harvey, the youngest one, to um, to daycare. And he's like, and then I've got the whole day. Mm-hmm. Then they come back at night and organise dinner, all that kind of stuff. Only for a couple of days. But he's, uh, he's pretty excited about uh, just being there and, and having plenty of free time. Now, my dad's a bit of a pushover. So oh. I'm just imagining the kids. You lay just, the boot in. All right, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the kids would be, I mean, the grandparents are generally pushovers anyway, I think. Mm-hmm. They do spoil their um, their grandchildren. But, yeah, my dad in particular has always been a pushover. Like, mum was always kind of like the strict one and dad was... So if we'd ask for fish and chips for dinner, mum would be like, no, waste of money, I'll cook us, oh. I'll, I'll cook fish and chips. And we'll ask dad and he'll be like, oh, no... Oh, look, we'll see. Whenever Dad said we'll see, we knew we got him. Like, oh, (laughs) yes. He said, no, I didn't say yes. I said we'll see. We're going, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Were either of your parents pushovers? Was one, like, a good cop and the other one bad cop? Nah. No, I wish. As in, like, it's not like my parents were overly strict. They were very, very loving. But there wasn't, it wasn't like you turned to one instead of the other. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm. I saw Smithy's kid, June, had a milkshake. And so, I was, and Gabriel had a milkshake. So I was like, "All right, bad parent, gonna get David uh, Gabriel a milkshake." And um, but I didn't want him to rat on me <laughs> with his limited vocabulary, so I didn't use the word chocolate or milkshake around him. Oh, what did you call it? So I didn't drink. report anything during the day. <laughs> Dad gave me a cup of stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing sus. So, what's wrong with the milkshake? The sugar? I don't know. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, that's. Sweet and sugar. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a soft touch. I'll be, I'm yeah. your dad easily. Yeah, yeah. He would, and, and I think he'll try to, and I think because we used to joke about him, you know, we could get our way with him. He's just like, oh, no, no, no. Um, but then we always just would, and he just mm. couldn't help it. But as we got older, mum became the more generous and 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 then he became oh he's still a little bit of a pushover um love him to bits but I guess a bit more of a a tight ass Mm. like whereas mum so I would go over to mum's place like as a working adult full-time job and every time I'd go to leave mum would always get a purse out and she'll go to slip me a 50 she's like here just look after yourself and I never took it right Mm. and I was always just like no I'm I'm working I'm fine why don't you go spend that on yourself and she's like just take it I said I don't want it Mm. Please just keep it. She's like, why won't you take my money? And we'd have this thing. I'm just like, I'm not taking it. Anyway, and then Dad would be like, are you giving her more money? I'm like, I've never taken any. Okay, I don't take the money. Anyway, I leave. And she just it was just a thing. She used to do it all the time for years and I refused. I'm just like, no, I just want you to have the money. I am fine. Mm. And then she said to me one day, she said, you know, your brothers take the money every time. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Russ earns more money than all of us. Yeah. Pocketing the 50. Yeah, he's wow. a bit like that. He's a bit of a tight ass as well. Mm. Um, oh, don't get me wrong. My dad is the, the biggest tight ass anyone has ever met. Yeah, right. But it's it's not just it was like so. Yeah, when you were saying that, I was like, oh yeah, that's that's dad. Like yeah, yeah. I, I think for my dad, you know, at home. It's not anhedonia or, you know, the inability to experience pleasure, but, <laughs> but it's in that area and also parsimonious. So 
you don't hit them up for money when you're a kid or whatever. But go on holiday, and it was all off. It, like it, it, it was just splashing it around. That's what that's like as well. Oh, when really? I go, on, you won't like you'll reuse, you'll melt stamps off a letter to reuse them. <laughs> <laughs> but then you you'll go on a holiday to Europe. But I think it's like, well, that all those stamps I say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But it gets it gets to the point where he's getting screwed by scam artists. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like he's just a walking target. Oh, like, dad. Yeah, and like they sound very dad. The least immune to flattery person ever. And I remember he was in he was in China for work and then travelling as well. And he got completely scammed by this young woman who said, "Oh, you know, look at you, you're such an impressive." Western businessman, I need help with my English. I'll show you around if you help, you know, if you talk to me. He's like, of course, young lady, I will gladly help you. She was so nice. I had no idea. She took me to this bar and then there were these standover men and they made me pay three times what they had, like a secret menu. It was this whole thing right. where he was overcharged for drinks. But because, um, but he just gets, like, we'll lose $1,000 that way. But then, yeah, lucky he saved all those stamps or... Um, yeah, and refuse, you know, sews up no, holes in his socks. Yeah, yeah. And, and no way he'd fall for being approached by a stranger, mm. you know, around town. Yeah, but it's it's the the holiday bug. It turns you into a effing idiot. <laughs> it does, though, doesn't it? Mm. A big fat <laughs> wallet bulging out of the pants with <laughs> way too many euros, just like teaming out like a cartoon. Getting a couple of five hundred euro notes <laughs> in there. No and at some point them. you become so preposterously gullible, it's like you've brought this on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm victim blaming Mon's dad. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. D- and what's your mum think? It's like you, you fool, dirty, you absolute stupid fool. flirt. Yeah, my, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like, she didn't think you were impressive. <laughs> I, think, I think, yeah, I think it, it helps to be a bit sceptical. I think mum is very sceptical and dad loves a compliment and he has quite the ego. So yeah. it's um, she Fairly usually keeps right. me check but if she's not there mm. then he's paying f- you know what's the moral of the story the Sabirs should be more complimentary to each other like maybe you're all such stone cold bitches <laughs> it was like he just cracked open and was like bleeding love no <laughs> my children have never called me an impressive western businessman <laughs> triple r on fm digital online and via the app Tony Wilson is a broadcaster, documentary maker and author across several genres of more than 20 books, including 1989, The Great Grand Final and bestsellers Hickory Dickory Dash and The Cow Tripped Over the Moon, both selected as national simultaneous storytime titles. The founder of website and podcast Speakola, dedicated to great speeches, Tony features tonight in Murphy, a live magazine at Brunswick Ballroom. And to tell us about it, the legendary former breakfaster joins us now. Tony, welcome back to Triple R. Hello, Dan, Morn, Bobby. It's lovely to be back. And uh, and it's been a while. Do you know there's a, there are balloons up above? Nova have put a balloon up above the Triple R broadcasting space. How dare they? So panicked are they about the, <laughs> oh, really? We're encroaching. About the, the ratings that you guys are generating. Yeah, they exactly. have decided a targeted balloon, hot air balloon campaign to try to take you down. Unbelievable. Um, Balloons for radio thumbs. Yeah, exactly. Um, looking at uh, Murphy, a live magazine, this could could you develop a format more up your alley? I, I, I hope it, it's going to be good. Like yeah. Basically, it's a great idea. It's Duncan Imberger's idea. And in saying that, he's ripped it off from the United States. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but it's a thing that's been popular over, over there. There's a thing called Pop-Up Magazine. And the idea is that non-fiction writers and journalists and actors, actors and musicians stand up on stage and deliver a piece. And the brief is that the story has to be true. And it's the sort of story that 
you might deliver in a that you might write in a general interest magazine and then a band puts music to it and there's images behind it so it's sort of like a multimedia presentation um, where the words the images and the music all work, work together and people sit in a nice auditorium or ballroom and this in this case it's the Brunswick ballroom and hopefully enjoy the story and so it being a, a, a slightly more immersive experience than lying in your bed and reading the monthly <laughs> uh, what what who's on the bill so there is, well, there's Jenny Valentish, who's a journo. Um, she's written about addiction along the way. Uh, Natasha, Natasha Sanasodaram, she's an actor and she did, and a director as well. She's done Heartbreak High. Daniel Ziffer, he's a <laughs> contemporary of mine. He's worked as a business journo at the ABC for a long time. Uh, Jean Bashura is a writer. Uh, Joe Walker was the editor of Frankie magazine, so she'd have um, a, a huge experience in general interest magazines. Robert Skinner um, has, is a writer, and the band is Tamil Rojan and Daniel Mujerman, who, who, who are basically taking, we submitted our words a week or two ago, and, right. they, and they've had the great experience of having to cram <laughs> seven or eight uh, musical pieces into the last couple of weeks Gorgeous. to accompany us. Uh, what should people wear? Because it's, it's it feels quite special. It feels like a like a variety yeah, show, yeah. Like an old fashioned kind of. Well, I think the bar is open afterwards. Maybe we should try to turn it into old Hollywood. What do you yeah. it's, I think it's 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 reason they, our brief was to wear what feels comfortable. So uh-huh. I will up the current standard <laughs> of stained khaki jeans and a sizzle town hoodie. hoodie. Um, but I think it won't go as far as black yeah. tie. Um, what about? I mean, because you. Uh, the guru of spoken word and speeches, I suppose. Do you put pressure on yours? Do you feel uh, the, any internal pressure to be excellent? Oh, I think always. Like just you don't want to be. There'll be a reasonable crowd. There, there still are tickets available, but basically there'll be a reasonably big crowd. I think at the event, and so you don't want to sort of tank. And no. So I, I've written a. I was I was thinking, oh, we'd deliver it as a speech. But then because they needed to choreograph the music to have it time out sort of thing, they've preferred us to be – we're pretty much on script, so it will be a written piece. Mm-hmm. So it's not sort of a speech speech so much as a delivered piece. Um, I'm, I, yeah, I'm very much hoping it'll be good. I, I think I've got a good story. Um, it's actually quite a Triple R story. It, it, it belongs – it had its origins in some senses here at Triple R. And so my, I don't want to say too much about yeah. it, but basically there was there's a guy, um, Declan Fay, who was uh, was on the pinch and he's comedian, writer. He always used to get in my ear about this rumour, this famous rumour about an AFL footballer. And, and I'll tell you that it's Lee Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that the rumour was that he had punched, and I'll tell you it's Nick Cave. <laughs> And, and it was at a, another celebrity's 21st birthday. And I'll tell you, it was Paul Hester's, right? And so it's this ridiculous thing. So, so to Declan has said this on Triple R before and it's been said around town a bit. It's a bit of an urban legend, or is it? Mm. So basically um, he's been – and we just said, oh, how good would it be if that's true? How good would it be if it's true? And so I sort of set myself on the, the rock and roll detective, you know, get back into 1980 yeah. and find out about this 21st birthday party. And so that's, that's my piece. Beautiful. And so yeah, so it's got footy, it's got rock and roll, and it's got you know, it's Melbourne, violent, <laughs> yeah, gossip. What a yeah, combo! It's just all gossip. So, and I approach it with all the rigor that Dan Ziffer will no doubt be pr- 
approaching his um, piece about whatever whatever business he's doing, I've approached the punch in a backyard <laughs> yeah. like a uh. like the great journo I am. <laughs> do, do you write differently for uh, print versus? spoken word uh, you know how is it better if those two match each other as close as they can uh so when you're writing for something that's going to be delivered often i find that the big words and the long sentences that you might put in a you know it needs to be sort of punchier i guess yeah. so you don't need you, you want to be able to to uh feel as though it's almost a speech it, the people the audience will be able to see that i'm reading it but it's got to have um a flow to it that is not as you know, the, if you think of the worst sorts of writing of PhDs and academic writing and, and government bulletins, yeah. that's the worst sort of read-out writing. You need to get it towards the kind of punchier, um, uh, you know, you know how would yeah it's just it's it's how do they read the intros at the Oscars? They're meant to be fun and light and easy to digest and to follow along. Mm. Get so so keep out the big fancy words and and keep them and consider the flow. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever get nervous? Yes, I get I get nervous. I even get nervous coming in now. You know, well, like we're a very intimidating group. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> well, there's that sort of sense of you know you're performing and you want to you want to be um, you want to be good. And so yeah, I, I'll I will spend the half hour before doing a little bit of pacing and <laughs> and but, but there's a rehearsal today so I'll hear what the the band have put together what Tamil and Daniel have constructed for my story I'm wondering if they're going to throw in up there Kazali oh, when, yeah, yeah. when uh, Lee Matthews is mentioned is everyone going to have a motif like in the in in the Lord of the Rings movie you know the Gandalf gets his song and uh, will Nick Cave have red right hand whenever right. his name's mentioned it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they've done is it so today you're saying you've got a rehearsal before the show is this the first First time all the performers will have heard the music behind their speeches. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. So it is, it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know. I, I presume they can't give us too long because they've mm. got to get through six or seven of us this morning and this afternoon. Um, but that's that's the, that's what's going to happen today. We'll hear our music for the first time and, and see the images as well because I've been sending in <coughs> images that the the people that are involved in this elongated and and sort of uh, stretched out rumor. There's all sorts of characters. There's uh, you know other footballers and there's other rockers. There's a great punk rocker called Ron Rude's Piano Piano. Have you ever heard? Of that? They were they were big in the they were sort of trailblazers. Ron was in the in the late seventies, and Ron's coming as a guest of mind tonight because he's so integral to this rumour. Um, he, no one built it more, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> and so Ron Rude's coming along tonight, and um, and yeah, so it's got it's got a sense of Melbourne, I think, a real sense. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, so th those images will be coming up, and I'll be seeing those for the first time put together. And 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 I've I've also incorporated video with the the rumour itself being told by. Um, by Declan Fay, who told it to me. So he keeps he's barracking for me to find the answer from the screen. Oh, that's the, gorgeous! Yeah. So it, that's really taking advantage of uh, multimedia in a way that you can't do in a magazine. Well, instance. that's right. So my piece, I thought, oh, this is fun. I've, I've actually thought of doing this as a fringe festival show before, like, and, and to turn it into a fifty-minute. I really think it has got the legs. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I can I can find the extra half hour if if anyone wants to sponsor me in that. But basically, it is it was already a thing. I was I was interested in doing live and then when um and then and then yeah when duncan asked do i want to have a go i thought oh, i'll be sort of trialing it as a 12 to 14 minute yeah is, is probably um a, a good way to see how it sits 
And with live variety not on television and oh. it's, and us being locked down, this is really scratching an itch, isn't it? Oh, I think it's lovely. And, and also, you know how everything is consumed as these sort of YouTube bites or, or even a podcast? Everything is very by yourself, sitting on in your room or sitting on a train or listening in your car and everything is it seems very solo. And, and then we share our joy with them and say, have you listened to this or have you done that? Isn't Speak Hole a podcast, the best podcast you could find? All that sort of stuff. Um, but the but then the, what this will do is is actually say, no, you won't get it again. This, won't yes. be, this isn't mm. going to be filmed. This isn't going to go up online. You can't catch it on on Wednesday, you know, next Monday after the show. It's on tonight at the Brunswick Ballroom. You sit there, you enjoy it. It either soars or it tanks. And afterwards you have a beer in the bar. It's kind of, it's 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 what entertainment kind of used to be, I guess. Mm, yeah. Who, were you a fan of Dave Allen? Yeah, yeah. I'm not a massive fan. No, no, I, but I watched his show a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and did, is that a skill that, I, you know, it, I wonder whether now how it would go. Like, do people have the have the patience, or do, or do people uh, maybe underestimate the charm and dipping into somebody's uh, train of thought? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's certainly the it, well the variety show presence. It's funny we don't even have a, a rove show no. in Australia anymore. There's I mean, nothing. so there's there's nothing, and and this will be, I think. Yeah, what I think will be interesting about this is it'll be quite disparate, you know. So I imagine, you know, Jenny has written about addiction and and so um oh, uh, so fantastic speaker being on our show mm. promoting book and, as and well. it's going to be unlikely that she'll do something of the same tone as nick cave lee matthews <laughs> yes know? so so she'll she'll present something that might just blow you away on a completely different level mm. you know and so we'll have hopefully across the board this different experience so you sit there and go oh that's kind of a funnier one that was really interesting that one is australia you know maybe daniel's Got an insight into something, you know, in the economical in the economic space. That's you know, this is oh, this is the most important question in in business in Australia. You know, yep. So they're they're the that's the sort of brief I think that we've been given, and um, and hopefully we deliver. It's a beautiful initiative. It's tonight. Uh, you can go on Instagram at Murphy Live Magazine. You can go to the website MurphyLiveMagazine.com. But more importantly, uh, for tickets tonight, you'll go to MoshTix. Dot com dot au for Murphy, a live magazine uh, featuring the one and only Tony Wilson. What have we missed? Uh, I think you've got it all. I think that you can buy online till about mid like midday, and yep. then you move to buying at the door on the night. Beautiful. So, yep, there's some tickets available. It's magazine credit for a stage screen and live audience, and Tony Wilson will be there. Good on you. Thanks very much. Thank you. Triple R. We, uh, we've got some friends coming over for dinner tonight and yesterday Abby asked me if I could just go to the shops while she was at work. She's like, I'll give you a shopping list. So I, I got the list and I went to the shops, but the list didn't have the quantities, the amounts. So she's it, doing the cooking? She is, yeah, yeah, tonight. Yeah, she's doing the cooking. So um, I, so one of the things uh, she had on the list was jalapeno, jalapenos uh, and there were four of us and I thought, well, maybe she's making jalapeno poppers. I'll mm-hmm. get four. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not. She only needed one. But anyway, that's just one example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, she could have meant, didn't they come in a jar? Could have been that. Yeah. Well, we already had some of those. So I okay. thought, no, maybe she wanted fresh ones. And she's like, no, just the one. I said, well, there was an S at the end. So I'm just, anyway, that, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Um, and she's making uh, some tacos, fish tacos, uh, and also some chicken tacos. And uh, I have got a significant amount of 
fish and chicken. I've catered for 10 people. Okay, yeah. that's, that's what I've done. I've catered for 10 people. She's come home and she's like, so who else have you invited? Mm. Mm. I mean, well, like, you, but you know I'm what? I'm with you. Quantities are essential. And, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And far better to over-cater than under-cater. Yes. Definitely. Mm. And that is just, and I'm, I know it's a weird fear, but that's just my biggest fear is to run out of food when you are hosting. And it has never happened in my life Mm -mm. to the point where not only do I feed everyone, everyone gets to take home food Mm -hmm. and then we still have food left over. Like I'm just on the other end of the scale. I did, yes. (laughs) And that is why I needed quantity Mm. on these. But at least I had a list. If I don't have a list, then I will just get so sidetracked. I'm I'm really terrible. I get excited by the yellow tags. If it's half price, I'll get it. Mm. If I'm saving $3.50, I'm going to get it. Yeah. Um, the good thing, though, like with the food that I did uh, buy, food can be like a lot of it was canned. Uh, there was, yeah, like refried beans or mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So there was stuff that we can use at another point. Um, and we can, you know, freeze some of the food as well. So it won't all be going to waste. But, yes, I absolutely have catered for, for far too many people. I got sent for croissants recently. Oh, yeah. And I knew precisely the croissants I was supposed to get. Uh, so I turn up and they say, we're out of those croissants. We just sold out of those croissants <laughs> like a couple of minutes ago. Are you saying croissants? Yeah, are yeah. You, is that how you're supposed to say it? Well, how do you say it, Mon? Croissant. Okay, so I'm in the ballpark. In the you ballpark. Are. Or croissant, if you'll be like my right. friend's dad. Yeah. <laughs> or jalapeno or whatever. <laughs> uh, a crescent, you can just call it that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... Um, <laughs> Sorry. I, I, no, I, I, I got, the, I got I the wrong. They they said, well, what about a chocolate croissant? And mm. I was like, anyway, so I, I got too many chocolate croissants. And then uh, to compensate for that mistake, I also got like a pan of raisin or something. Anyway, oh. like, and then so I came back and I got in trouble for not only did I over cater, but the, the wrong thing. Long stuff. Yeah. I didn't get what you want. So yeah. instead, I got a whole lot of stuff that you don't, <laughs> you don't want. It, that's what the yeah. attempt was. Yeah. I see your reasoning there. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And so, in an attempt to be considerate, I was instead wasteful. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Did you? So they weren't eaten? That's unfortunate. I took them. I look. They and that's the thing. I ate them because I don't want them hanging around as like a totem for my incompetence. <laughs> so like down the hatch. Because you, you, you wanted to prove the point that they're perfectly fine. Yeah, oh, they're I'll great. Oh, oh, they're so no. good. Oh, the flakes everywhere. I can't give them fast Hand enough. it over. Oh, you're not, you're not getting any of this. You're not having it. Oh, okay. Don't mind if I do. When you say you got in trouble, was it from Gabriel? Because that's kind of the Gabriel tactic. was so angry. He said, Stop. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> you know, I went to get some food when I was I was a guest on this show. I was going to be a Friday Funny Burger or whatever it was, and I stopped past a bakery to get some food, and it was this French bakery, delicious. And I went to get a croissant. Is that better? Yeah, no, it's I just go. Terrible, it's fine. It? I just I don't stop. No, I at knew me. when I was saying it that it was. Oh you God. were taking the piss. We no, are... I wasn't taking the piss. I was just more like. It's fine. Steady on. Please just go with your heart and say what you whatever you croissant. like. Croissant. Great. Fine. Great. Yes. Um, so I went to buy this croissant, and it was like, say seven dollars fifty, and they said, but if you buy seven of them, <laughs> it's twenty dollars, and I'm like. <laughs> I don't need seven. <laughs> but that's a bargain. I know it was, but I was like, I'm not going to come in here with seven croissants. No, because I was getting a variety of things. I, I got a quiche, I got this, but apparently I just needed to buy one of something yeah. and get a heap of them. Yeah. So in the end it cost like $35. Wait, yeah. so you did get... No, I oh, didn't. You didn't. No, I didn't. I just got 
a croissant and, and uh, my, and whatever. My dad, my, my mother thinks that my dad like flirts with this uh, woman at the bakery. <laughs> and so he, anyway, he comes home with a sack. Are they called French rolls? Like baguettes? A baguette. No, not a baguette. Oh. Like a like a, it's like a half baguette. Yeah, like it may be a half baguette. I don't know. The, the, the sort of roll that a bun me might be serving. Yeah, okay. but they're about oh, home. yeah. Anyway, uh, like a sack full. And I'm like, <laughs> there were like three people in this house. Why are there 70 rolls? It's like, oh, saving. I'm like, you're not saving. Yeah, chuck them in the freezer. Oh, yeah, chuck them oh. in the freezer. It's, we're not in the war. <laughs> like you want to roll, you get out and get some fresh ones. Yeah, absolutely. It's not sophisticated. <laughs> and by the way, where are the croissants? <laughs> oh, sacre bleu! <laughs> I don't like that there is a a uh, criticism for frozen bread. You oh. heard you heard Emily Dunson this week saying yes, we throw absolutely. out too much bread. Frozen bread is a sign that you purchased. It's it's an original sin of over purchasing. No. I think frozen bread is okay. Frozen rolls, 62 <laughs> frozen rolls is not okay. Frozen yes. rolls are also foolish. Like I, I, freeze, I freeze them all the time um, because you buy a pack of six or whatever and then you only need one. You're like, well, these are going to go stale. And then you forget about them for 18 months and yes. then you bring them out and they taste like the freezer. Um, um, look, and then you just end up making breadcrumbs or chucking them in. I'm all with it. As we discussed this week, yeah, freezing bread that you haven't finished but like buying something fresh and chucking it straight, straight in, the in the freezer. Oh, that's ridiculous, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. If I was the yeast in that, I'd be like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I rose I'm... for this. <laughs> I am in my prime. <laughs> exactly. Triple R. It's time to check in with our Friday funny bugger, actor, writer, comedian, and all-round fancy boy, Jonathan Schuster. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning. Hello, fancy boy. <laughs> uh, we heard you've been in the wars. Yeah, I'm falling apart. Damn. Firstly, I woke up, had a blocked ear. Oh, no. And went to the doctor and my girlfriend, she's like, stop going to the free ones. I don't care about you. <laughs> Go to this paid one in Yarraville where I live. I'm not rich, but um, <laughs> that's a rich area. But I went in, I paid money, and this woman was like, yeah, you've got a block it full of wax, and I think she was quite disgusted by it. She's like, why have you come here for it? And I was like, I don't know, I was told to come here. <laughs> like, you got to have these um, droplets for um, five days, and then she charged me a lot of money for like just her telling me that, where I could have just gotten it for free, and I had to go back on the Saturday... And then um, she pumped water into my ear. Oh, yeah, like a syringe. Yeah. yeah. How was that? Was it satisfying? I love them. <laughs> um, have you ever had them before? No. A oh. friend had it once and raved about it. Yeah. And all the brown stuff comes out. All right. Thoughts. Yeah. Um, but she didn't, I don't know if she pumped hard enough or what, but it didn't do anything. So then I just had a blocked wet ear for a little while. <laughs> and then um, I just left it and it's Why? all good now. I don't know what's... Why didn't she... I thought you were paying uh, top dollar. Yeah, well, so I went in and um, she pumps it and nothing happened, but it was her Saturday, so I didn't think she wanted to mm. be there for long. And then I, she's like, oh, it's not working because nothing came out. And then she looked in my ear and she's like, oh, what... Oh, you've got a weird ear. She said those those words. You've got a weird ear, and I was just interested. I was like, "Oh, what's what's a weird ear look like?" 
and I think I caught her in a trap. I think she didn't. She just wanted to blame my ear for why it didn't work. And I was like, oh, it's a weird injury. Like, oh, it's uh, it's like uh, and then just like, here's a specialist. And I was like, I'm paying eighty bucks for this. You disgust me, you <laughs> doctor. Anyway, I went to an audiologist and they said, oh, no, they only get five minutes of your training, so um, don't worry about right. it. Right. Oh, An wow. audiologist? Yeah. Wow, I've never heard that. And that, did you I, that could be made up. I don't know if yeah, that's audio- a real word. Audiologist. Yeah. Audiologist. Yeah. Audiologist. Audio- audiologist? Audiologist. Yeah. Audiologist. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and did you girlfriend eat her words? Um, yeah, yeah I, well, I made it. I, yeah, I'm very forceful with, um, so I got angry at her because um, we did budget and uh, she was like, where'd all your money go? And I was like, on the doctors. Yeah. Um, but so that's, that's, that's part one. one. Yeah. Next minute I'm at work and, uh, it was on my lunch break and I tried to step over a railing. Um, and, um, cause I want to get a hop. It was like a day like today. It was a bit. That annoying cool. rain, that like small time. I don't know what that. Yeah, you drizzle? don't think it's raining, but it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah a bit of drizzle. Uh, stepped over a railing, tripped, oh. lost balance, tripped, land on my elbow, smashed my oh. elbow oh, on the God. concrete. Um, sorry. Is no, that, is that no, no, it's not. It's, no. well, it's, it's empathetic. It's not. I yeah. prefer repulsed. this to the year chat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, went back to work. I was like, oh, I can't really move my arm. Oh. And I went to my boss. I said, I can't really move my arm. What should I do? And uh, he was like, oh, you make my job harder, Jonathan. <laughs> We're going to have a meeting. And I'm like, well, I'm going to sue you. I said that. <laughs> that, did ha- yeah. that did not happen. Did I it? said that. I I I I always off I always try and sue my job. That's I'm always that's all I do at my work. I'm, I'm going to sue you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then he has to write it down, which is annoying from him. And then uh, went there, and then uh, he said you should go to the hospital. Um, but I was shooting a friend's short their student film, mm-hmm. and I shot the day before, and they were using like sixteen millimeter film and stuff, and I'd already shot in for like one day, and then we were shooting that night as well, and I was like, well, I can't ruin ten kids' yearly film, so I got to go and film. Because imagine if it just bruising on my elbow, yeah. right? I'd miss it, and then just bruise. I'd be so embarrassed. So I drove to their short film, finished the film at midnight, didn't move my arm at all. Do you have an auto or a manual car? Have to be auto. Auto, yeah, okay. yeah, of course. No way. I was going to say. You can, of course you have an automatic. You can eat a burger while you drive. They're the best. <laughs> They're so good. Yeah. Went to the filming, finished at about midnight, got driven to um, emergency at midnight. How long do I have? Keep oh, going. You're fine. You got you got time. Five more minutes. At least seven. Yeah, Let's seven. go to seven. Sick. All right. So I'm in emergency <laughs> at midnight. I, uh, I I I have an idea where I'm like everyone in here will be like they'll have a wound on their head. They'll be angry. They'll be sobbing. They'll be. This is emergency. I'll go in there very polite. They'll give me the VIP treatment. That's oh, my no. theory. <laughs> 
I'll go in. I said, (laughs) hello. (laughs) When I walked in and they were like, are you a visitor? I said, no, I think I've broken my arm. And they were like, oh, great. Um, And then I sat down and then a woman came up to me and did a rat test. But she was very like, she didn't even put it in my, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. She didn't even put it in my nose. Uh I think she just hatched to do it. And I was like. Just waved it around the front of your face. Just sort of, just sort of like in the little the the I don't the know foyer. the doorway the yeah foyer. yeah the full foyer of the nose <laughs> should have got them to do the ear clean some of that wax out yeah um and then I was uh there and then uh I was, yeah anyway I was there for nine hours and it was a nightmare oh, nine hours you were yeah. too polite you were there yeah. as the sun came up yeah oh my god the squeaky wheel gets the grease in the yeah. medical system you should yeah. have whinged more I should have been an absolute jerk I sat down should have threatened to sue them yes oh, that's your go-to oh so I got a call the other day and it's from I love it when my workplace name that I don't know meaning like it's gone to the top or whatever but her name was Pippi she was like hey um so you're going to do work cover? Like, what are you? And I said, oh, I said to Karam, my boss, I said I was going to sue him as a joke. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned it was a joke or whatever. Or whatever. Like, <laughs> it's so fun scaring workplaces. <laughs> Just do it. Um, anyway, I was in the waiting room for a while. Beautiful story. My sister teaches English. She's now living in London. She taught English to overseas students. I was sitting there, it was like 4 a.m., I was half asleep. A man came out, a male nurse came out, I don't know where he's from, but he was like, saw my name on the list. He then Facebooked my sister, saw that I was her brother. He came out, he was like crying. He's like, your sister taught me everything I know. She's the reason why I'm a nurse. What? It was emotional. All right, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was real cute. So I got a photo with him. (laughs) Did he see see you or did he just do that and then go to the next person? Yeah, and said, your sister also taught me everything I know. (laughs) Well, he went to this like funny looking dude in front of me. He's like, Jonathan. That doesn't look like my When you shatter an elbow, how, uh, or if that's the word, to you just to describe it, how many pieces or is how many fractures? Or oh, sorry, I forgot to say it's fine. Like it's uh, it's a two week. It's it's just a fractured. There's just a there's just a, a chipped bone. Just a chipped mm. bone, I guess. Mm. Is that the in the ballpark of what uh, is colloquially referred to as the funny bone? It's mm. uh, I, when he was talking about it, he mentioned the humorous and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. And as I left the hospital where the doctor was, they said you can't lift anything heavy for two weeks. And I, it was annoying because I left and then I was like, I should have said, what about my weightlifting comp doc? <laughs> but I didn't say that. <laughs> I always think of good stuff later. Yeah, so I'm glad yeah. the show exists. So thanks very much. For oh, no worries. We got yeah. a, what I think is a, a fair text. Someone said, as a healthcare worker, I'm going to sue you for the squeaky wheel comment because that makes our job hell. Of course it does. <laughs> yeah. Of course it does. Yeah. I know this. But you don't hate uh, the player, hate the game. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Mm. <laughs> um, thank you for your services. Um, what was their name? That didn't tell us. Uh, Do you want the, the numbers number, though, 04. Can... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I well, love texts. You, you must get. Oh, we've had this discussion. Mostly nice texts. Like Most, mostly I nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. the texts. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I heard your station announce that Shorty plays you. Uh, it was nice on a Friday night hearing. She loves me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she loves shout outs. I love shouting out Shorty, Rachel Short. She. Li- <laughs> I don't know if she sleeps. I just think she listens to Triple R and it's in a beautiful thing and um, love it. I'm just yeah. waiting for a text to come through for Shorty now. <laughs> yeah. um, great music taste as well. Wonderful okay. Well, yeah. sorry. Where... She's not here. Who's show are you on? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, who does the music here? You had some good hits. You do. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> the thing is, there's like that's having how a we good. Wrapped you up. <laughs> there's a good taste of music, but then having an electric eclectic eclectic and then having it every day like how much music do you have to listen to are you just throwing on songs like these are cool bands supposedly and you're nah, it's a lot of work goes into this yeah. i'm glad i'm finally being acknowledged yeah. thanks yeah um, well, well done to you and um the healthcare workers <laughs> yes, and, um, exactly. everybody. yeah and jonathan thanks man <laughs> ah, that's right triple r had to wear school uniforms at my... Actually, I went to three different primary schools and two I had to wear school uniforms, one we didn't. We could just wear whatever the hell we wanted, which was great. Um, but my high school, we, we had a, a school uniform as well. And occasionally we would have a casual dress day and I really feel like you see people's personalities when they're out of their school uniform and they're just wearing, you know, whatever they want. Mm. But casual, I mean, some people certainly didn't go casual. It's like one day to shine so they would go all out with what they wore. Um, and it was a big thing because, you, yeah, you, you might only do it once or twice a year so you really wanted to wear your favourite clothes or, or whatever it was. Mm. My older brother encouraged me uh, once to wear my Victorian state cricket tracksuit <laughs> on casual dress day. I said, do you not want me to have friends? <laughs> oh, no, okay, good. So you're on to it. <laughs> oh, my God, of course I was on to it. But he was so serious. He goes, yeah, he goes, represent. Let people know you play cricket for Victoria. I said, ah. What? <laughs> what? It's just another what? uniform. Why would I? Exactly. It's just another uniform. He's like, no, nah, wear it. I would. I'm like, you could wear it. <laughs> but no, I'm not going to wear that. Um, but you know what was interesting? On the casual dress day, so many boys wore their footy club like jackets and, and jumpers. Their local footy club oh, jumpers. Yeah. Like they love sports uniforms. So they just, yeah, there were so many people that wore it. Um, no imagination. No imagination. They just wanted to show, you know, their footy club and uh, I don't know. That that's Look, hey, it was a casual dress day and that's what they wanted to wear. Not me. <laughs> but my brother said, he's like, see, everyone's wearing their sporting clubs. So that was like, an attempted stitch up? No. Oh. Well, that's the thing. He's like, everyone's wearing, you know, like the, the Backers Marsh Bears, but you've got yeah. a, a state, repre- you know, yeah. that's outdo them. <laughs> you know, he did convince me to wear it to a sports day once, just my jacket, never again. Like <gasps> it was just so he, – he actually – really loved seeing me and I'm just like I'm just never I'm so uncomfortable so I took it off he's like where I'm like shut up did anyone say anything to you that made you uncomfortable you just realized you were the odd one out I was just the odd one out I was like no and you know there was someone else that uh represented I think it was athletics or something and I remember that and they would wear their jacket to school like every single day at like it was like a raincoat kind of a jacket and I'm just like I just thought it was a bit daggy. Good on those people if they want to show what they've done and stuff but I just yeah I'll, I'll never forget that it was very embarrassing um I've had casual dress days at work as well. Like I've worked in corporate offices. Oh, like casual Fridays. Yeah. Mm. Yes, that's exactly what it was actually, casual Mm. Friday. Um, And once again, I think you get to see people's personality and people kind of just relaxed um, because a lot of the time these, some of the men would wear suits. Uh, So every day you'd see them in a suit. Uh, And then, no, not for casual day. No, (laughs) Loosen up. (laughs) No, yeah. But then they'd come and and they'd have jeans and sneakers and just be – like a, a daggy dad, but so comfortable and nice. It's like, ah, oh. so that's what you look like when you're outside of your, your mm. suit and everything. I tend to dress just on my mood so I can change quite fastly. So it, if it's warm, I might wear a dress and some earrings and maybe some wedges, but maybe not. Um, or if it's a bit colder, then I'll just wear jeans, sneakers and a jumper. Like that, mm. I have 
Like it's a wide range of my casual dress. So when we will, so if I'm going to a cafe with Abby, she'd be like, what are you wearing? I'm like, I don't know. I'll just see what I feel like. And she's like, well, I'll wait for you. Oh, because if you dress hard. <laughs> yeah, because then I'll come out sometimes and I might have a jumpsuit and my hair done and earrings because that's what I feel like. Mm. And she's like, okay. <laughs> Give me an so, hour. Okay. Yeah, okay. So I can't just wear my jeans and stuff. But if I come out in my jeans and sneakers, she's like, thank God. <gasps> so And she'll just wear more casual stuff. Feeling underdressed is do you think what's what I was going to say it's the worst but I'm is feeling underdressed worse than feeling overdressed you know if you rock up somewhere and you're like oh my god I have underdressed is heaps worse yeah you just feel like a slob yeah yeah I was at yeah. a uh, I was out seeing a show Richard Watts was also there turns out in the, anyway yep. there was the dress code was cocktail or something okay. it was the open anyway I, there's a you know how they've got a they take photographs out the front on the red carpet mm. or whatever. Going through the paper the next day, these slobs. <laughs> a T-shirt? Todd Woodbridge, put on a shirt, mate. Oh, that's <laughs> polo. Was he wearing a polo? No, it was just a jumper. Mm, no. I don't know. Other people, slobs, like pandemic slob Zoom shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hangover from the pandemic. Yeah. I, at least avoid the red carpet then if well, you're going to dress like that. That's actually, don't get snapped. Say, mm. I'm sorry, I've not dressed up. I don't want anyone to know that I was here. Yeah. It's like, mm. is this your cocktail, mate? <laughs> it's like, what if you were throwing a party to cocktail and I rocked up in my slovenly <laughs> bloody jumper and tracky dacks? You're right. It is always better to be overdressed than under if you have to pick one. Unless you're wearing a suit to casual Fridays, in which case I would say you can, you know, yeah. you can take your tie off. Yeah, 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 definitely. Do a few things. There was a, uh, I remember it would be, say, a casual day at school or whatever and you'd forget. Oh, that's the worst. And oh, so my God. As you're driving or walking, you start clocking. Devastating. Yes. Yeah, everyone in casual. And so what do you do? I'm Yeah, I remember working up in the full winter uniform, like <laughs> tunic, stockings, blazer. <laughs> tunic. And then, yeah, we wore a tunic. And then um, we were having like a full year level assembly. It must have been year nine. And I saw one of my friends, Jane, walk in and she clocked me. I could tell she mouthed to another friend, oh, Mon forgot. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Sitting there in my full uniform, they're all there in their trackies and their I rugby think, jumpers. I think I would go home. Yeah. <laughs> I would. And, and I took a bus to school that took an hour and I would. I would walk home. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's such a it is such a loss because I mean I, I'm all pro uniform. I think mm. it's good, it takes the guesswork out and it puts everyone on the same page. But yeah. when you have that what, two days a year yeah. and you miss it and you're there and you're uncomfortable, itchy school uniform and you're like, Oh, this is the one I'm not gonna get this back. Like you can't make yeah. up for it. You can't rock up in jeans the next day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just another chance for you to get ostracized at your yeah. horrible little bitchy school. <laughs> <laughs> Me so sorry. Yesterday, Daniel, you called my family stone cold bitches. <laughs> now, now my school. Bitchy yeah, there's school. a pattern here. But I, yeah, we cracked a Yui and got changed. Really? Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, mm, yeah. I caught two trams to school. It wasn't an option. We would have missed the whole first lesson, I reckon. Did yeah. you notice on the trams? Did no, you see I, anyone from school? No, I don't know how I didn't. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I, no, I definitely noticed on the way in. Mm. But it was only when I saw my friend look at me with like absolute pity, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to have to sit with Mon all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your poor mate. But it's funny. Like, I think the with when you're a teenager, it's also like definitely tracksuit. Like, you wear your cool tracksuit pants. Like, you don't see anyone. You know, people aren't. If you put in too much effort for a casual clothes day at mm. school, then it's, it's a minefield. So many things that can go. I remember 
as a teacher, one girl, a few girls rocked up to school with like their midriff showing and a whole full face of makeup and like hoop yeah. earrings. And I was like, okay, mate, you have, this is still a school. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Please yeah. Please cover up right. a little bit. I, I definitely had girls uh, dressed like that on casual day and freezing as well. Yeah. I wore um, crisscross, uh, not crisscross, sorry, I loved crisscross at the time. So I wore these cross colour um, big, black baggy jeans with a big I just thought I was the biggest home girl uh, and I tell you no one else was dressed like that at Backers Marsh High <laughs> just me <laughs> well that's good you're still covering up that's oh, all the only thing a teacher is concerned with her. a little too baggy my mum said she's like what's with the baggy clothes I said it's comfy <laughs> and it's cool <laughs> it's comfy it's cool it's Bobby's motto <laughs> triple R Thanks for listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or the Triple R website. <laughs>